welcome back to Fordin Connect podcast, a podcast where we talk about American business services and also American market opportunities. Today, we have a special guest, Eric, from the Five Echelon Group. Eric is an executive leader with over 30 years of experience in marketing, product development, and digital transformation. He has worked with large global companies and small startups to develop strategies to bring innovative products to the market. After years of working in the financial services and informational technology industries, including 18 years at the Oracle Corporation, Eric ventured into the world of entrepreneurship by founding his own company, The Five Echelon Group. The company focuses on building and executing marketing strategies for small and mid-sized businesses. Eric is also the host of weekly podcast, The Virtual CMO, the show is geared toward marketing professionals looking for tactics and strategies to improve their company marketing trajectories. So in this interview, I have a lot of valuable information from him. So I hope you enjoy. So welcome, Eric. Thank you very much for coming to the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. So today we prepared three questions that are commonly asked from my clients for American businesses like you. So I just wanted to um, ask you these three questions to get your opinion of, of this, okay? So the first one I wanted to ask today is, this is really big questions, honestly. Um, what kind of market barrier uh, do you see for Japanese companies to enter American market? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this holds true, not just for Japanese companies, but any company that's coming from outside the US into the US market. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of different ways that you could look at it, but I would break it down into really three different pieces, three different barriers that are okay. in effect there. The first is probably a cultural barrier. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Let me give you a great example of this is that mm -hmm. in my work, oftentimes, I outsource certain things to different agencies, different people uh, in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And somebody can write something in English mm -hmm. and it's perfectly grammatically correct for the country that they're in. Mm -hmm. But when you take that same piece of content mm -hmm. and you give it to an American audience, they mm -hmm. will immediately detect that it wasn't written locally. Mm -hmm. Just as Shakespeare was the English of his day. Mm -hmm. We look at that today and we say, yeah, it's awfully poetic, but it's not really the way we speak today. Mm -hmm. So that's just a simple example mm -hmm. of culturally how things can be different. Mm -hmm. And I think it even goes to uh, customs. It goes to the way products and services are market, marketed mm -hmm. and what the expectations of customers and businesses are mm -hmm. in different geographies. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're uh, an American business coming to Japan or a Japanese business coming to uh, the United States, mm -hmm. there are definitely things that you have to do, especially in your marketing, to mm -hmm. make sure that your brand mm -hmm. appeals to the kinds of businesses or consumers that you're going after. So mm -hmm. culturally, obviously, that, that's a big one um, that is going to be prominent. We would look at all of the marketing materials that would have to go out, mm -hmm. and we would say, does this fit in with the culture here? Mm -hmm. So maybe there are things that could be reused, but they would have to be re-examined in the light of, of what the preferences are here. So culture is mm -hmm. number one. The second place 
is really the the overall marketplace where you're going to be selling your products and services. Mm-hmm. So there may be different preferences here as to how a consumer or a business would buy a product and service. For example, maybe um, it's a direct marketing relationship uh, in Japan, but here it would go through a reseller. Maybe it's um, a customer would p- uh, buy something in conjunction with some, uh, something else here mm-hmm. where it may be a standalone product offering in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to understand how people buy and what the marketplace is for those various products and services. Mm-hmm. So it's the different buying options, the way mm-hmm. products are priced, the channels that they're sold in. I think that those are all very important in this, this overall marketplace. And I think the third area that I would focus in uh, as a barrier would be the competitive landscape. Who are the competitors for the product or service that you're offering? And what target market are they going after? So if you take an example of the automobile industry, mm-hmm. you know, you have everything from very small economy cars to big, large luxury cars or SUVs and, and pickup trucks. There's a car for just about everybody, mm-hmm. but you're not going to market a pickup truck the same way you would market an economy car. Each mm-hmm. one has a very specific um, consumer, a very uh, specific buyer. And so if you are selling pickup trucks, you need to understand what the other people who are selling pickup trucks are are doing in their marketplace, how they've defined their customer, Mm -hmm. what exactly they are doing to sell to those customers, and you want to focus in on that. So it's very important to understand the overall competitive landscape and Mm -hmm. where there might be opportunities for your product or service to fit into that landscape. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I guess I have a following up questions um, given your answer. The first one is, can you kind of give us the example of a corporation that you know of in America or maybe international corporation that came to America and then did the rebranding in order for them to do business in America? Because the first one you said was rebranding to make sure that your message of the brand is delivered in a correct way, accustomed to the culture you're adapting to, right? Like that's the first one you gave as an answer. And I, I was wondering if you could come up with sort of one um, international corporation, just right now, if you can think of any yeah, so the business. one that comes to mind because uh, I just had a cup uh, myself is uh, Nespresso. So um, Nespresso is a very popular coffee in Europe, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but Americans are all about fast. They want mm-hmm. fast. They want convenient. Mm-hmm. And so there was a period where they were very unsuccessful, really breaking into the market, even though they're a very large company, mm-hmm. because they're way of producing a cup of coffee was much more elegant. It was much more uh, uh, European in its overall experience. So Mm -hmm. they really had to keep their brand, but they had to change the way they sold it here and push Mm -hmm. the uh, idea of convenience. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there was this whole thing that has come up with these K-cups where you take a small cup and you make a very quick uh, pot of coffee. And Mm -hmm. they were able to take that same concept of convenience, but Mm -hmm. say, we're still going to do it in a very European, a very elegant way. So Mm -hmm. that's just a quick example off the top of my head where I can see how a company's had to change how they marketed their product for this specific market. Mm, I see. 
That's excellent. Actually, that makes me think of another example. Um, it's the same thing, coffee. Uh, my boyfriend lives in Italy and he said that he doesn't have any Starbucks there in in Italy, right? And then that's I asked him, so why do you think that is? And he said, oh, exactly what you said. Like here, the idea of coffee is never like a big, you know, American, like, you know, massive cup. It doesn't come like that. It's always like a spritz, like a tiny thing. And then we usually drink it in the morning and we never like carry it around. Like that's very American idea. And I thought it was very interesting. It's definitely like a culture is playing a part, uh, role in that. So well, I think that's, that's a great example. And, mm -hmm. you know, you even think of uh, American companies that have come to Japan. Um, McDonald's is popular in Japan, right? But the mm -hmm. menu is not going to be the same. It's going to be adapted for Japanese tastes. Yep. Japanese. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> or if you go to a Japanese restaurant here in America, it's probably mm -hmm. very different than the traditional Japanese food that you're used to because mm -hmm. it's been adapted for American tastes. Mm -hmm. So there can the essence of the brand can be there, but it has to be adapted for the market that you're serving. Mm, right. I see. Okay. Well, I'm going to move on to the next question. Okay. So my next question is, so part of what you do is to make strategic marketing plan for your clients. I wanted to know a little bit of your process going into that. How do you usually create strategic marketing plan for your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah. I think when we work with clients to put together a strategic marketing plan, the very first thing we do is meet with the management team to understand what are the goals and objectives that they have mm -hmm. for the business. Because you can't really build a solid marketing plan without a firm understanding of what the goals uh, you're trying to achieve are. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a very firm understanding of what the goals and objectives are. Mm -hmm. Once we get those together, we need to understand what the time frame is because those goals, in order to reach those goals, and mm -hmm. especially if you're using marketing to reach those goals, things mm -hmm. take time. They don't happen overnight. And so you have to make sure that there is alignment in terms of when those goals can be reached and the dollars, the marketing dollars that it's going to take to reach those goals based on the time frame that's in place. So mm -hmm. once all that gets established, then we sort of move on to the product messaging. How do we want to define the products and services that you're offering? And as part of that, you really have to figure out who is your target customer? What is the very specific customer the very specific segment that you're going after with your products and services. Mm -hmm. And then how can we build our messaging mm -hmm. to attract that particular segment? I think a mistake that a lot of businesses make is they go after too broad a segment. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, in the automobile example that we were using before, you don't just sell cars to everybody. You spell, sell very specific models to very specific people. And those mm -hmm. cars are designed with that very specific buyer in mind. And mm -hmm. so the same thing has to be true here. We need to understand sort of what makes your product unique. What are mm -hmm. the differentiators of that product? Mm -hmm. And one thing I talk a lot about is what we call product market fit. Mm -hmm. Where does that product fit into the marketplace? Mm -hmm. Is there an opening that that product can work its way into? Or mm -hmm. does there need to be some adjustment one way or to the other to mm -hmm. find an opening for that product to be successful? So it's mm -hmm. really putting all these things together and mm -hmm. then figuring out that, yes, there is demand. 
We mm. know who the target customer is, and mm. then we build the messaging up around it. So once all of that is done, then mm. we take a look at the brand itself and say, what do we need to do to raise the visibility of this brand? Do we need to make some refinements? Do we need to update the website? Do we need to create some new collateral? Do we mm. need to refresh the brand, make it uh, more modern? Mm -hmm. or uh, do something to make it fit in better so that the customers will understand what that brand represents, what are the values behind that brand. Mm -hmm. So we look at all of that and then start to create the pieces that are needed to build an overall awareness campaign for the brand. Mm -hmm. And then as all of that starts to come together, we pick specific marketing tactics that we can then start to employ Mm -hmm. to be able to build that brand awareness and generate mm -hmm. the demand and then figure out how the company, once that demand starts coming in, is going to start fulfilling that demand, whether mm -hmm. it's a product or service that, you know, is a simple point and click and you purchase it, or whether mm -hmm. it's something that actually goes to a sales team where they then have to get some further sales people mm -hmm. involved to actually sell and, you know, uh, follow through and contract that particular product or service. So it's a process for sure. There's a lot of steps in there in mm -hmm. order to build out that strategic plan. Mm -hmm. But if you take this step by step, mm -hmm. then what you can do is you can create a plan that you can measure against. And when you can measure against a plan, that's mm -hmm. when you can know if the money that you're spending is ultimately being successfully spent because you can track it and monitor it and measure it. Mm, I see. That's that's really promising that you provide all this turnkey solution at one stop. That's really cool. Okay, well, I have a following up questions to, to your process then. Um, it seems like your process has a lot, involves a lot of research uh, phases, right? Can you kind of sort of elaborate how the research is done usually? Is there a process for researching as well? Yeah, so again, it really depends on the product segment or the mm -hmm. industry that the business is in. Yeah. Because obviously uh, myself or others, we are not experienced in every single industry out there. Mm -hmm. So what, what has to happen is we have to become educated on the industry mm -hmm. that we're going after. We have to understand who the competitors are. Mm -hmm. And then what we can do is once we get an overview of what the product and service is, what mm -hmm. the overall industry is, mm -hmm. then we can go off on our own and bring in either outside resources if needed or do the research because mm -hmm. there's so much information out there mm -hmm. uh, to be able to then figure out mm -hmm. what are the different pieces that we need to pull together. So mm -hmm. it sounds like a huge work effort, but once you get that foundation in place, once we get that understanding of the products and services, the industry mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the competitors, we can go off and do a lot of that research on our own. Mm -hmm. Nice, okay. So I'm going to actually move on to the third question. I think this is going to be actually a big question for many Japanese companies because the term CMO, the one that use, I think it's not very uh, used here. So I think this is going to be very interesting. Um, so you this essentially you describe yourself as a virtual CMO or CMO, right? Like hired CMO. Uh, can you kind of describe what CMO is first? Yeah, so not every business has a CMO for sure. So a CMO means a chief marketing officer. Mm -hmm. It just means the person ultimately responsible for building the marketing strategy mm -hmm. and then getting that strategy executed. Mm -hmm. So most large corporations, they will have a chief marketing officer. Mm -hmm. Many 
mid-sized corporations will have that as well. As mm -hmm. you get into smaller corporations, maybe it would be a vice president of marketing or mm -hmm. a senior marketing manager or marketing mm -hmm. director. So it could have various titles, mm -hmm. but for the sake of, you know, my business and, and the way I talk about it in the market, mm -hmm. it is a, a chief marketing officer, the person mm -hmm. who's responsible for building out that strategy. Mm -hmm. And the difference, I think, in terms of what I tend to talk about with my clients mm -hmm. is as a virtual CMO, mm -hmm. what I do is I come into the marketplace and say, mm -hmm. okay, you are a business that is looking for the services of a marketing mm -hmm. expert, somebody mm -hmm. to help you put together a strategy, somebody to help craft that plan. And then knowing the, re the expertise that's in the market, mm -hmm. helping coordinate the relationship with all the different vendors that are going to be required then to mm -hmm. actually execute that plan. Mm -hmm. That's what a virtual CMO does. It's not a full-time employee. It's not somebody mm -hmm. who is brought on board to the company as a full-time. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who works there part-time, mm -hmm. uh, but it's excellent for companies who are looking to get expertise in a mm -hmm. marketplace mm -hmm somebody who has the connection, somebody who has the experience, mm -hmm. but doesn't necessarily want to bring on a full-time employee mm -hmm. uh, onto the payroll. And for some companies, it's a transition as well. Maybe as they're entering a market mm -hmm. uh, down the road, they will want to have a full-time employee, but mm -hmm. maybe they want somebody to get the strategy in place, get things moving while they get their operations set up and get mm -hmm a firm foundation in place. So mm -hmm. it can also work that way as well. Mm -hmm. But it's really designed to help companies get that foundation and then start executing it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, marketing is complicated. If you think mm -hmm. about all the different things that need to be done, whether mm -hmm. it's your digital presence, your website, mm -hmm. all the social media channels, mm -hmm. videos that need to be created. We're in a world of content marketing right now, which mm -hmm. is you trying to attract leads to your website without yeah. having to spend a lot of money to do that. It's mm -hmm. a lot of work to create all of that material. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more than a full-time job for somebody. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a team of people, especially if you want to do it right. Mm -hmm. And what I find a lot of companies do in error Mm -hmm. is they take on too much themselves. They hire mm -hmm. on a couple junior level people mm -hmm. to execute some of these marketing tactics. Mm -hmm. And what happens is maybe they're okay at doing specific things, but they mm -hmm. don't really have a lot of experience or guidance to know where to go with it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they're able to put some marketing out into the marketplace, mm -hmm. but it's not with any specific goals or objectives that really drive the business forward. And what mm -hmm. happens is you end up wasting time, you end up wasting money, mm -hmm. and especially for businesses that are trying to set up operations here in the United mm -hmm. States, you don't have a lot of time, right? You're, right? That's a big investment for a company to start mm -hmm. to open up a new presence in a new market. So mm -hmm. you want to get things going as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So having someone with experience, having a firm that can help you because they have the connections, they know the resources, they know the vendors to go to to get things done quickly, mm -hmm. efficiently, and within budget is one of the real things that uh, we try to offer to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think businesses look to us to help them uh, do to be successful. Mm, I see. So I think there's still a lot more questions today because the term itself is kind of new to some of us. So that being said, I also want to know what are the qualifications do you think uh, makes someone a good CMO? What are the things do you think people should look for 
when we are hiring for CMO, sorry, yeah. I think it's good because too often, I think when, when there's a hiring process in place, somebody will say, well, well let's keep going with our automobile example. So mm -hmm. if I'm an automobile maker, I say, well, I want somebody who has experience marketing automobiles. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a certain number of those people out there, right? Mm -hmm. But the world isn't full of them. That's a very specific uh, uh, set of people. Mm -hmm. What I believe is more important when you are looking for somebody to help you with your marketing mm -hmm. is do they have experience helping market to other businesses mm -hmm. or do they have experience marketing to consumers? Because that is really the big differentiator, I think, in skill sets. Mm. Um, there's a lot of commonality between marketing one industry versus another, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of differences between marketing to a business versus marketing to a consumer. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that when you're marketing to a consumer, mm -hmm. oftentimes that's a fairly short sales cycle. Mm -hmm. um, there, there tends to be a lot of upfront work to raise, uh, to raise awareness, yeah. to get people interested in your products and services, but mm -hmm. buying it is usually a credit card transaction or a click or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Most purchases are, are very quick. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about businesses, these tend mm -hmm. to be larger dollar transactions, mm -hmm. many of which have long sales cycles mm -hmm. because they have to go through a contracting process. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe there are multiple sign-offs that are required within an organization to get approval to buy something. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot more relationship management that is mm -hmm. involved in a business-to-business -business, uh, transaction. Mm -hmm. And so in marketing, we talk about a buyer's journey. Um, and in a business-to-business -business relationship, that can be a long journey. Many mm -hmm. I've worked with many companies where there's a 12-month, 16-month sales cycle for some products because they're multi-million dollar products. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very different than if you're selling a $25 piece of clothing uh, mm -hmm. to a consumer. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say uh, to your clients, for people who are looking for marketing expertise, is worry less about their specific industry background but worry more about have they had experience working selling to other businesses or has it been more focused on selling to other consumers? Because that's a, that's a pretty different skill set. You will market very differently to each of those groups. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I think that summarizes my questions of the day today. So I very much thank you for coming onto my show. And finally, before I let you go, can you tell us where people can find you, your website and social media, everything? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you very much uh, for having me as a guest. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and your audience. Mm -hmm. So again, my name was Eric Dickman and my company is called The Five Echelon Group. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can be found at the web at fiveechelon.com. Mm -hmm. And I can be found on LinkedIn mm -hmm. at uh, Eric Dickman, E. Dickman on LinkedIn and E. Dickman on Twitter as well. So any of those are quick and easy ways to find me. Hello everyone, welcome back to Folding Connect podcast, a podcast where we talk about American business services and also American market opportunities. Today we have a special guest, Eric from the Five Echelon Group. Eric is an executive leader with over 30 years of experience in marketing, product development, and digital transformation. He has worked with large global companies and small startups to develop strategies to bring innovative products to the market. 
After years of working in the financial services and informational technology industries, including 18 years at the Oracle Corporation, Eric ventured into the world of entrepreneurship by founding his own company, The Five Echelon Group. The company focuses on building and executing marketing strategies for small and mid-sized businesses. Eric is also the host of weekly podcast, The Virtual CMO. The show is geared toward marketing professionals looking for tactics and strategies to improve their company marketing trajectories. So in this interview, I have a lot of valuable information from him. So I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Porting Connect podcast, a podcast where we talk about American business services and also American market opportunities. Today we have a special guest, Eric from the Five Echelon Group. Eric is an executive leader with over 30 years of experience in marketing, product development, and digital transformation. He has worked with large global companies and small startups to develop strategies to bring innovative products to the market. After years of working in the financial services and informational technology industries, including 18 years at the Oracle Corporation, Eric ventured into the world of entrepreneurship by founding his own company, The Five Echelon Group. The company focuses on building and executing marketing strategies for small and mid-sized businesses. Eric is also the host of weekly podcast, The Virtual CMO. The show is geared toward marketing professionals looking for tactics and strategies to improve their company marketing trajectories. So in this interview, I have a lot of valuable information from him. So I hope you enjoy.